0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Hit or Miss Baseball Podcast hosted by me, Alexandra Aguila. and today we are recording episode number 29, a regular Major League Baseball episode talking about all things baseball for every single team, basically, and we got a lot to talk about this Monday episode where we kind of break down every single headline, uh, maybe some things that some people missed, things like that, but we're breaking down a lot. I got a long list of things to talk about. Let's kind of do a quick little overview. We're talking about how the Braves are looking better than how they did when they won the World Series in 2021. The Mets are calling up Brett Beatty, Domingo Herman's incident, Garrett Cole's shutout, the Rays break their winning streak, a storybook ending for the Dodgers on Jackie Robinson Day. We're going to talk about benching and how the Padres are suffering as of lately, how I personally am still on the Miami Marlins train, and kind of give a little bit of an overview of how the standings are looking like right now, early on in the season. So, a lot of things to talk about, and then a lot of things to kind of pay attention to, really. So, let's kick it off with our 2021 World Series champions, the Atlanta Braves, who are off to a phenomenal start, being 12-4 on the season. That's currently the second-best record in baseball and first in the National League. They've only lost one series, and that's to the San Diego Padres, so give them credit there, but besides that, they've looked great. It's pretty crazy because this is a team who has been doing well ever since they won the World Series. Last year, they did really good, and obviously, 2021, they looked really good, but this year, it's kind of eye-opening, and I think this is a team who's always been good, but just kind of flown under your radar because they aren't as popular worldwide per se like the Yankees are like the Dodgers are like the Mets are so this is a team that not a lot of people pay attention to and i feel like you know they really they are a good team on paper and they also have a lot of good players who kind of all gel together from different teams and definitely seeing a new team this season as well with the leavings with the farewells from some guys so Let's talk about, first, I want to mention Ronald Cunha Jr., who is finally back this season, 100% healthy, no bumps, everything is looking perfectly fine health-wise with him, and he's off to a phenomenal start. We know when we see that, a lot of the times when players go through injuries like how Ronald Cunha did, it's hard to get back into that rhythm, especially with him being at such a young age, uh, going back to what how you left your legacy when before you were injured, is super hard to get back into the swing of things, but he has shown no hesitation so far. Last year, he got a couple of starts, but ultimately, really didn't get that full season. We didn't get that full sample size of what um, he was able to do. He played in the WBC this year, and he struggled, so it was like a, kind of a mixed emotions from Braves fans. It's like, okay, he didn't really do good in the WBC. I wonder how he's going to do good on this Braves team, but he showed no hesitation and he's looking perfectly fine and perfectly okay. There's definitely nothing to worry about. While I feel like during the WBC, it was a little bit of like a, not a panic mode, but definitely I think fans grew a little worried. But I think a lot, I think that's because also a lot of the times you see like players transition from that championship to, or that tournament to major league baseball which is definitely two different things but sometimes for the most part that consistency and that start and the way of swinging the bat stays the same we've seen that in randy rosarena who is did well during the wbc for team mexico and is continuing to do well right now on the Rays. and sometimes we see the opposite with ronald Cunha jr who didn't do as well in the WBC, but now has put up really good numbers. So far, he has 25 hits. He's batting 373 with a 1.022 OPS and seven stolen bases, which I assume it's only going to go up from here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, really good stuff and really good stats putting up by Acuna, and I'm super excited to see how he kind of improves this season and definitely could see him go to how he was playing prior to 2021 before his injury during that stint. So, looking really good. Another guy I want to talk about, Orlando Arcia, who has gotten off to a really good start, especially uh, considering last year where it was a little bit rough for him. He was on and off and in the lineup some days. Some days he was not in the lineup. He was on the bench or sometimes he wasn't even on the 40 man. So batting 0.33 right now and doing really well. So this is a guy that we've definitely seen improve in um, this short little sample size that we're getting here right now, but definitely got to mention, has been helping this Braves team. Uh, like I said, this whole team in general is really good. They have the second best OPS in the league. Currently, like I said, the best league, the best record in the National League. So definitely showing up and competing against, yeah, like their their opponents haven't been super hard but at the same time a win is a win right you have to win these ball games against the teams who you are predicted to win against and that's what they're doing so really good stuff by them especially the guys from Oakland who we got a while ago are definitely showing up Sean Murphy and Matt Olson being a few of them Murphy with seven doubles already and he's a guy that struggled ever since he got to Atlanta Matt Olson has been probably one of the most underrated baseball players in Major League Baseball, especially now that he's in Atlanta. I feel like he's gotten, kind of gotten more of that recognition just because definitely the publicity is different from being in Oakland to Atlanta. So definitely more publicity there, but I still feel like he's a guy that's been so under the radar. Um, but yeah, he's just been phenomenal. Ever since he got to Georgia, he's been playing really good baseball. Um, on both sides, but especially on the bat, with 17 RBIs already leading the team and is leading the NL, so a guy who's shown massive consistency throughout his whole career, pretty much. So, really excited to see how this year takes off for those two. But, like I said, I mean, this Braves team is looking really good, and it's hard to top how you were playing and how you were performing when you won the World Series. But, right now, I mean. You're looking at a Braves team who could go on to compete for a long time, so looks really good, and that is considering they lost their star player, their star shortstop, Dansby Swanson, who definitely did help those numbers from with the Braves from last season, and now he's on the Cubs, now they have Ozzy Albies, Orlando Arcy up the middle, um, Grisham getting a few starts there, so definitely a difference, but they're still competing and they're still putting out really good numbers at the end of the day. And yeah, Dansby was definitely a big part of that team. Freddie Freeman as well. Who this is their second season without them, but are without him, still putting up really good numbers. Losing two of your star players. So honestly, I think this Braves team has a lot in store for the year, and I'm really excited to see where they go from here. I do think, though, the next two series are going to be a test because they do play relatively hard teams. The next series is against the San Diego Padres, who they lost the series to, and that was their only lost series, um, and they didn't perform as well against them. And then they also go on to play the Astros, who we have seen are struggling um, a little bit, definitely different than how they played in their World Series, but um, still... I mean, this is an Astros team who has really good pitchers, who has really good players, Um, maybe not doing as well right now, but we've definitely seen what they're capable of, and they're also a team that hasn't, that haven't uh, changed much since the offseason. So, like I said, I think both of these series are going to be a test and to see how they could really perform against two teams with a lot of manpower and a lot of, good players in general and not to say that the you know the teams that they've played so far haven't been good but they did play the Reds you know when they won that series as they should be as well as the Royals and like I said those are the games that you do have to win and that you do have to take those series from because ultimately you're the better team in that situation so they have been taking advantage of those things but like I said I think this is really something that fans and everybody should be paying attention to, especially if you're a Braves fan, to see how your team does against competitors. So it's going to be pretty interesting. But moving right along, let's switch it over to another team in that same division, the New York Mets, who are calling up their star prospect third baseman, Brett Beatty, for the second time, again, in his career. He's a third baseman. He's currently 23 years old and bats lefty. Now, this is not the first time that we've been, we're going to see him in the major leagues. Last year, he did get a start, and he was um, on this team for a while. Not for a while, but for, for some time, and... He definitely did not perform like how they hoped, so it was a short little stint, but so far in AAA, he has excelled. In nine games, 35 at-bats, he has a 400 batting average with a 1.386 OPS, already has five home runs and 15 RBIs on the season. So it's almost like you have to bring this guy up, right? Because he's doing too well. So with this, the Mets already said that they are going to bring him up, but they also now are going to have to decide who they're going to DFA. And if anybody has to go on the injured list, he's probably the first guy they're going to call up. So here comes the question is, okay, well, who plays third base for the Mets? Eduardo Escobar. Uh, Luis Guillorme has been in there a little bit. So it kind of comes down to, do we send them down? Eduardo Escobar being a guy who has played in the major leagues for a while now and is recently has been with this. New York Mets team um, but previously was on the Diamondbacks and had really good games there but currently off to a little bit of a rough start batting 125 so definitely he's not putting up good numbers and with that Luis Guillermo has been put in his place kind of taking a little bit of that playing time from him so it's kind of hard when you're in that position because Eduardo Escobar is definitely a guy respected amongst the league amongst the Mets organization from the short time that he's been there, but that's just because he's a veteran guy, you know. Um, He's an older guy, and you just have a lot more respect for him, so it's gonna be tough for the Mets to make that call on who should be sent down or, you know, the logistics behind that, but I feel like if you are in the Mets organization, you feel like you have to make this move just because of how well Brett Beatty is doing right now, and the team could really use it. I mean, like I said, this is a team in the same division as the met I mean, as the Braves. They're currently in second place, have a 10-6 and six record, but they also are facing some relatively rough teams in uh, the next few days, you know, starting the series with the Dodgers today, and then they go on to play the Giants get a little break with the Nationals, but then they go right back to playing the Braves at home, which is nice and definitely is an advantage, but at the same time, this is a Braves team that is doing really good, like I said, and you guys have always been neck and neck. It's always been the Mets and the Braves who have been two close teams together, so um, I don't know. I feel like it's definitely going to be a hard decision to make. Um, And there are some worries that Beatty's not going to perform like he has been doing in AAA and the same consistency isn't really going to transfer over to the major leagues, which I get, you know, because it happens with a lot of players. It already happened once with him. So definitely a sense of worriedness, but I feel like this is something that the Mets need to do. Um, But is it worth sending down a veteran guy is a real question. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see when and you know, who they kind of bring him up and send down for. So, that's something definitely to keep an eye on, but Brett Beatty is just doing incredible right now and putting up some really good numbers in AAA for the Mets. Moving on, let's talk about the other New York team, the New York Yankees, who had a little bit of an incident a few days ago with their pitcher Domingo Herman, who had a little bit of an incident, like I said. Uh, So, he was pitching and he was starting, and Apparently, he had rosin on his hands, which is legal to use because they have the rosin bag out there on the, mon- on the mound, so this is something that pitchers are allowed to use. It's not a foreign substance. We know how, pitcher- how umpires are checking for foreign substances now and, you know, really dialing down on that aspect of Major League Baseball, but um, he had rosin on his hands. Apparently, it was, like, too sticky or something like that. The umpire told him to wash it off because... I guess it just couldn't be, there couldn't be so much on his hands that what they found. Um, Anyways, he came back out the next inning to pitch. When he came back and they checked him, he was done. Apparently his pinky was still like stickier than usual. So they had Herman explain that, you know, he typically uses this and it's never been a problem. It's not a big deal. You know, just kind of sharing his side of the story to the umpires, right? And on the other side, the Twins manager sees that this is something... It's not a problem, but this is something that's taking a little bit more of time, you know? So he's like, okay, there's obviously something up. Like, they're, they've been talking for a while now. He comes out of the dugout and he's like, you know, what's going on? He was like, and the umpires are telling him, oh, you know, it's not a big deal. You know, he just has rosin on his hands, um, but he yeah, had a little bit too much, too sticky. We told him to go wash it off, whatever. So now the twins manager is upset. He's like, okay, well, we know that this is a legal substance. You know, that's not the point that he's trying to make there, but. If the umpires didn't like it, that Herman had something on his hands and that he the umpires told him the first time that he couldn't use it or you have that to I guess the extent that he was, and he didn't comply the first time, why is he still in the game? If he wasn't if he didn't if Herman didn't do what he was told to do the first time, which is being told to wipe it off, why was he able to keep pitching? is a big question, and that's what the Twins manager was trying to fight against because it just didn't make sense. If the umpires first saw that it was a problem, why wouldn't they take him out of the game? You know, because if it was such a big deal to deal to issue with in the first place, it would make more sense for them to be like, all right, you know, you just can't have this. We gave you one warning, and now you come back with it on again. Sorry, bud. Into the dugout you go, but that wasn't the case, and he went on to last six and a third innings with 11 strikeouts. And to make things, like, even more interesting, that's a career best for him. He didn't walk anybody and he only had three hits. So, kind of suspicious there. And I get to why the Twins manager was upset because he really wasn't upset of what Herman had on his hands. Because, like I said, it's a legal substance. Pitchers use it. Uh, Not to the extent where Herman apparently is using it, I guess, all over his hands and kind of really utilizing Rosin as to his benefit per se so I I get why he's upset because at the same time like if the umpires found an issue with it in the first place he didn't comply and he didn't respond to that and to the way that the umpires told him to and now he's getting another free pass it's like dude come on you know like you didn't listen the first time why should you still be in this game? right and if it's obviously such a big deal that they had umpires had to be huddled up there and whatever I don't know it just seems like kind of a thing where the umpires kept giving Herman multiple chances and he didn't comply and they really didn't care and didn't do anything about it which I think should have been a different story either way the twins manager got really upset he was ejected and yeah I mean I think this is something that was kind of expected you know um, now with kind of the new rules against substances, you know, no spider tag things like that, especially, um, this is something that was definitely prone to happen just because a lot of the pitchers, whether they admit it or not, most of them use stuff, some substance, you know, um, and it's really hard to find a pitcher that does not these days. And now, you know, with the more thorough checks and things like that, there's always going to be people pitchers who are going to work around it, and they're always going to find another way. It's the same thing like the shift, you know? The shift was something that was based off of statistics, that was based off of data and analytics and strategies by the team, right? Now, with the ban of it, it's kind of like a way to increase the momentum of the game and keep things interesting, which is good, but again, there's a way around it because the rules aren't as strict, and now with this I think it's, it's another one of those examples where it's, there's always going to be an alternative option. And this goes for the same thing with the pitch clock too. I mean, there's guys who are pretending that they need extra time because, uh, I don't know, there was a bug in their eye or they had something in their eye or, I don't know, some minor convenience injury just to add a little bit more time to that clock. So like, I, so this is just something that we're going to see and that we've already seen. And it kind of sucks that it's happening like this but at the same time there's always a work around everything um in this case I feel like I understand you know the twins manager's point why he was upset because it's a valid reason I mean if it was not that important and whatever and why did you meet about it in the first place you know so I could understand kind of both sides of the story as well so that's really what happened there and I it's unfortunate but I do think that Maybe it's something we'll see more often and it's something that is just going to be part of the game now just because it's a workaround and baseball players are pretty smart and they're always going to find a way to work around the rules and that's just the way that the game is. So especially like it's one of those things where you establish so many rules that at some point. The more, the more strict you are on the rules and everything like that, it kind of does the opposite. And it kind of, like, begins for players to be more sneaky about it and to come up with different ways to go around these rules. So, that's my thoughts on it, honestly. But, like I said, just a minor incident. And it was it was kind of unfortunate for the Twins, though, just because the way that he kept pitching and that they only got three hits and that he didn't walk anybody, had a career best of strikeouts... I don't know, just something that I thought we should discuss and talk about because it's definitely something, like I said, that is going to happen more often, so. That's really what went down over there with the Yankees and the Twins, still keeping on that note with the Yankees in pitching. Garrett Cole had a shutout game, pitched all nine innings, only allowed two runs with five hits, walked one, and struck out ten. Ten! Ten! Pretty good stuff by Garrett Cole, and now has a 0.95 ERA in the season. And I mean, this is a Garrett Cole that everybody in the Bronx has been talking about for a while. Garrett Cole has always been a popular guy, a name pitcher, but as are he, is he and underrated at times. I feel like you know, with the talk of Shohei Otani, with the talk of Clayton Kershaw and or Justin Ver, Verlander, Max Scherzer. Garrett Cole's name hasn't really been in the mix for a while. And that's because he does have some rough starts sometimes. But I mean, this is a perfect example of why Garrett Cole is still one of the best of the best. I mean, coming up with this, how many, there have not been many pitchers who can, are able to pitch nine innings anymore. This is something that we've seen definitely decrease um, as we move forward in this generation. A lot of the times, some games are brought up by the bullpen. Solely on the bullpen. So it's really hard to find games and to watch games where the pitcher lasts more than five or six innings because we see a lot of them come out by the fifth and sixth. So, really good stuff by Garrett Cole though. Kind of just proves on why he still is a caliber pitcher and everything. Um, But yeah, really good stuff. And he was named American League Player of the Week. So, definitely got credit where credit was due. But like I said, just really good stuff by him. And I definitely expect to see the same of that in the future and throughout the season because it's something that the Yankees could really need. So really good stuff by him. Um, moving on, let's talk about how the Rays, the Tampa Bay Rays, break their lo- their winning streak and are now currently 14-2, and still hold the best record in Major League Baseball and still hold that top spot of the division. But they now lost two games. The Blue Jays break their winning streak and beat them 6-3 to the first game, and then they also beat them 5-2 to as well in the next game. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just shows that the Rays are immortal, and they're not um, some kind of crazy, weird team. Um, they definitely are very good, and definitely um, a team that is headed in a different direction that a lot of people, I think, assumed. Um, you definitely didn't have the Rays being undefeated in their first mm, 13 games of the season, for sure, was not a thing that a lot of people suspected. And if you were going to say which team would be undefeated 13 games in, your top answer would not be the Tampa Bay Rays. I don't even think you're top 10. So, definitely a team who has shown a different just mentality and a different way of how people should presume them, I think. So, they still are a good team, even though they lost two games. And I think we might see their season kind of even out a little bit more as we go on. They do play the Astros and the Yankees next, so definitely two tough teams. So, it may kind of put them in an even split or kind of make things more quote-unquote normal, you know, that we've seen. So, just wanted to touch on that and how the Rays are no longer undefeated, but they definitely still are a good team, so definitely someone to look out for. Um, Moving on, let's talk about the Dodgers. The Dodgers have a great game (laughs) on Jackie Robinson Day. The Cubs and Dodgers played in LA for a three-game series, and on Jackie Robinson night, the Dodgers walked it off at the bottom of the ninth inning, scoring two runs to win the game after being down by one run the whole entire game until the ninth. So that was some stuff that, like, we see in a movie. Because how cool is that? Obviously, we know uh, Jackie Robinson more special in that L.A. area just because of the team he played on and such. So kind of see that happening did warm my heart, even though I am a Cubs fan. And it did hurt to lose that game just because thinking about it, we could have swept the Dodgers, but um no, it was really cool to see uh, to get that walk off in LA on Jackie Robinson Day is something pretty cool. David Perotta, who came off the bench for a single off of Michael Fulmer at the bottom of the ninth to kind of score and to score those two runs and ultimately win the game was something really cool by him. Um yeah, like I said, the whole game was one to zero Cubs until the bottom of the ninth, uh, the Dodgers did end up losing the series. Um, and it kind of does make the Cubs rethink their closer situation. I don't want to go too deep on that just because I have an episode on Wednesday, April 19th, coming out about the Cubs. So just to kind of go through surface level stuff there, it does make the Cubs rethink their closer situation. Obviously, that bullpen is not as strong in talking about guys Not like guys Keegan Thompson, Adbert Ozlai, Mark Leiter Jr., who we've seen. Kind of talking more of those 8th inning, ninth inning guys. Um, There really is no closer right now. And I think Michael Fulber was one of those guys who could have been in contention for that position. But giving up this run makes Cubs rethink things. On Sunday's game, they did have... Brad Boxberger close out that game, so maybe he's the closer. I don't know, but something that I always say time to time is that the bullpen should not really be addressed in a major way until the second half of the season. That's how I see it, because if you can get to the second half with the bullpen you currently have, you're a really good team, and you're a really caliber team. So hopefully that's something that the Cubs can do, but um, yeah, it definitely makes them kind of go through that situation a little bit more, but yeah, the Dodgers lost that series, and they're currently sitting at 8-8 eight and eight at second place in the NL West behind the Diamondbacks, but for some reason, they're still ranked a top 10 team. They're currently ranked at number 7. Now, this is not just because I'm a Cubs fan and my team was ranked at 18th. <laughs> this is just because this whole entire process has just been so confusing because the Dodgers are not off to a good start, which is sort of rare, but we do know that they lost Justin Turner, Chris, or not Chris Taylor. They lost Justin Turner, um, Cody Bellinger, Andrew Heaney, um, some guys who've been within the, with the team for a long time. Uh, Gavin Lux, who's currently isn't playing, and, but they also had some good players, you know, they have uh, JD Martinez, they have James Outman, um, Miguel Vargas, who is getting in those starts there, who's been really good as well, but they're 8-8, eight and eight, you know, they're playing 500 baseball, they're in second place, the Cubs are also in second place, right, but playing 571 right now, and we're 8-6. and six. We hold the better record, right? But we're still ranked at, uh, like, ranked on the lower side, which kind of doesn't make sense to me. Personally, I don't know how MLB does their rankings, and this is not like a an attack or anything like that, but it's, it's a little bit confusing because the Dodgers were ranked at number seven, and then we had the Braves at first, which is completely fine because, The Braves have been a good team. And like I said, they're really good. The Rays at second, obviously, right? Then the Blue Jays. Okay. Then the Yankees. That's fine. You got the Astros. Okay. Then the Brewers. Maybe they should have been ranked a little bit higher, but that's okay too. But then the Dodgers. Okay. Fine, I guess. Then the Twins, then the Mets, and then the Padres my only thing there is that there are teams on this list who are ranked higher than teams who have a better record okay the Cubs are sitting at 18th place and I'm just going to take it in perspective of my team and I tweeted about this too just to kind of get this in people's minds so the Cubs are ranked at, in 18th like I said we're eight and six on the season second place in the division behind the Brewers two games back okay we're currently behind the Dodgers the Brewers the Twins, the Mets, the Padres, the Guardians, the Rangers, the Angels, the Orioles, Mariners, Devonbacks and Cardinals. The Cardinals are in second to last place right now. They're not playing 500 baseball. Out of all of those 17 teams that are in front of us, we have, let me do the math here. There's 8 teams on that list who have a worse record than the Cubs. So it's a little bit confusing, and I don't know what logistics, what math goes into that part of, you know, trying to figure out the power rankings and things like that. The Cubs were on Ben Verlander's top 10, so <laughs> that's a good thing. But I don't know. Anyways, going back about the Dodgers, the Dodgers are a good team, and they've always been a good team. And I'm not saying that they're not going to be good in the future. I think they definitely are going to kind of snap out of this funk that they're in right now, and they're going to do really good for the foreseeable future, right now not in a good spot, okay, I get that. But being ranked at number seven, when there's teams who have a better record, there's teams who are performing really well, the Cubs held the Dodgers this whole series. They've only scored six runs. The starting pitchers from the Cubs have been really good so far. And yeah, so have, you know, the Dodgers. The Dodgers played amazing, but they didn't win right? So, I don't know. It's just something that kind of bugs me because I don't know what goes on in that sort of realm and how do you figure out those rankings, but I do think that the Dodgers are a team that are struggling right now and especially now it kind of, it doesn't hit panic on their team, but it's definitely something to look into after Urias got his first loss of the season, but not a big deal because he still did really good and there's still a lot, lot more games left for the season, so no panicking yet, but definitely a team who maybe shouldn't be ranked at what they are now, so that's just my take on it, but let's move on to benching and all of those things, so Javier Baez was benched mid-game after he ran on a fly ball to the outfield with only one out, he thought there were two outs, so he forgot to tag, and a double play was in play, and the inning ended a lot shorter than it should have been, so that happened. Obviously, Baez was frustrated. He didn't know. A.J. Hinch, Tigers coach, benched him right away. Um, He understood, right? In that case, obviously, you have to, Um, and yeah, I mean, I think A.J. Hinch was just trying to kind of put a message out there and show that that kind of effort and that kind of way of playing in the game won't be tolerated and it's a mistake and you have to own up to it, right? And you have to pay a consequence. So it makes sense, but the next game he was put in and I mean it's not the first time that Javi has done this ever since he got to Detroit. He hasn't been playing good baseball, not the type of baseball that he was seen playing on the Cubs. So it's just been a little bit of a different Javier bias that we've seen lately and it's kinda of sad. Coming from a Cubs fan, it's definitely sad to see um, But I mean, I think the defense is there, offense has never really been there in some cases, Um, but yeah, just kind of hitting that struggle bus right now, but I think this is something that we've seen a lot with him, and I think benching players is something that is done just because uh, sometimes players get too carried away in some cases, and not that they need humbling, but it's order. It's some, sometimes an act of humble. Like, you need to be humbled and you kind of need to be put in place and shown that, hey, it's not okay to do these things. And yeah, I, I get it. You're upset too, and that's fine. But at the same time, like, there has to be a consequence. And that's, I think, what A.J. Hinch was trying to show. No big deal. I mean, it's really what we see time to time. Tyler O'Neal, on the other hand, was benched by his coach Marmol earlier this season because his base running wasn't 100% effort, I guess, that he put into running the bases. Um, he was benched the next game and the coaches, I, I guess, like Marble's idea of benching him was in, you know, good spirits, I guess, in a positive way of, again, showing him that this is not something that you can do and that could happen again, but at the same time, I don't know. Like, watching that video and seeing Tyler O'Neill run the bases, I mean, yeah, it wasn't a full sprint, but it wasn't like he was, you know, walking at the same time, too. I don't know. I think that incident is a little bit more controversial um, because Tyler O'Neill thought nothing was really wrong with his base running, and he kind of felt disrespected or just not... It kind of hurt for him when... All of that was related to, was released to the press and um, the things that Marmo said on Aaron. Just things like that about the situation. A little bit more different of a situation, but um, yeah, another thing with kind of just making sure players pay the consequence of their mistakes, which is something that I think I do respect in a way, but also in Tyler O'Neill's situation, um, maybe things should have gone a different way. So that's that. Moving on, talking about the Padres, who've been suffering a little bit as of lately. They're currently at 8 and nine, third in the division, um, and have battled against some tough teams, but have fallen short um, in most games, losing to tougher teams. Like I said, they lost the series to the Brewers and Mets, and this is a team who is not living up to kind of the expectations that were, they were put at, or the standard they were put at in the preseason, just because of all the talent that they have on their team. Um, They did do well against the Braves and they won that series but so far haven't really performed like I said to the standard. They have the fifth lowest batting average. So I mean necessarily they're not terrible. They're not bad. You know uh, they're playing under 500 but they're third in the division. Like I said they're still a long season ahead of us but some of their star players aren't doing well either which is kind of a little bit concerning. Juan Soto is batting 172. And he struck out one. He struck out sixteen times. Not something you want to see on a guy that you're playing a lot of money to. The Padres also don't have too hard of a schedule for the following series, and this is something that they should be able to kind of pick off at and just get a few wins in. They do play the Braves, and they did really good last series. Hopefully, they can carry that on um, and do good against them. And then they play the Diamondbacks, who have been doing really good as of lately, but also a team that I think they can compete against. And the Cubs, who are also kind of in that same realm with the Diamondbacks kind of teams that are kind of picking up and starting to get those wins. But that I think that's a really good competition for the Padres, you know. So I think those teams that they are facing in a few for the following days are teams that are starting to get hot, and I do think that the Padres have a really good chance of beating them. So, just a little bit of a bump in the road for the San Diego team, just because, like I said, they have a lot of talent on their team. They have Cronenworth, they have Soto, Machado, um, Hyun Sung Kim, who are really good players and have performed really good um, separately and on their own teams, and then um, prior to being on the Padres and things like that. But, right now aren't really putting up those numbers so it's something that I would like to see get going for the Padres pitching wise has been not bad I mean Yu Darvish has been doing what he does and then but Blake Snell has kind of been off to a rough start Um, last season we know that he didn't really perform well this season off to a 6.92 ERA and has lost both of his starts so something again that has been struggling for the Padres is a little bit of that pitching so hopefully that can start to get going and kind of start to really compete in this division just because we know that the NL West is a tough division and now all of a sudden you have the Diamondbacks in here you know kind of in the mix of things so definitely something to look out for for the Padres the last topic I want to talk about is the Marlins because I said it in previous episode but I am on this Marlins train something about this team has gotten me going they're currently eight and eight on the on the um standings playing 500 baseball third in the division have won two of their last series against the phillies and i want to say let's see they have won against the phillies and the diamondbacks they won both of those series so not bad stuff they're currently right now playing the giants they are losing but the score is three to two bottom of the six could come back and this is a team that I think has been very underrated so far. Um, yes, they're not—they don't have the best record, but at the same time, they're not doing too bad. And we knew they lost a lot of their pitching, a good chunk of it, um, in the off season. And now coming into this season, they do have Luis Urias. They do still have Sally, Sandy Alcantara, but he isn't doing too great um Jazz Chisholm Jr. has kind of gotten off to a really good start as well as Jorge Soler so they do have really good players on this team and not that the puzzle pieces are correctly fitting together right now and that this is their season and they're going to compete this season I don't think so but I do think that this can maybe be a different season for the Marlins that we've seen in years past which is something I'm super excited about but this upcoming schedule is definitely going to be hard for them they face the Giants they face the Guardians and the Braves three teams who are really good and could be you know probably in playoff contention come the end of the season so if they could win you know two of their series or they can split some of those games that's fine that's a win for them honestly so it's going to be interesting to see how that goes um honestly on paper they're near the end on each of the stats list so That really doesn't add up there, but at the end of the day, they're winning games, and they could be a sneaky team that messes with this division, especially in a division where you have the Mets and the Braves uh, could stir some things up. So, I think they've been playing really good baseball, and I think that they've won, which is really ultimately more important, you know, you're winning the games, so that's kind of my thoughts and my mindset on that team, but I'm excited for them. I think that they could be a really good underdog team. Um but yeah, that's really all I had to talk about today, kind of I guess not really a separate segment, but let's talk about the standings a little bit on where everything kind of is right now. So starting off with the American League, they at least is just shaping up to be a really nice league right now a nice division the Rays at first you know obviously then the Yankees who are four games behind tied with the Blue Jays at second then the Orioles who are nine and seven right now who are also playing really good baseball Adley Rushman being a really good contributor to that team um but ultimately when you're in division with the Yankees Blue Jays and Rays it's really hard to kind of compete in that division the Red Sox playing under 500 baseball right now but Hopefully, things can start to shape up for them. And the AL Central, we have the Twins leading that division, um, which isn't too strong. I would say the Royals uh, are just not doing well. (laughs) The Tigers, not them either. The White Sox was a team that was ranked really high prior to the season starting that a lot of people had really big hopes for. Unfortunately, that has not been the case, and they're currently 6-10, so... The Twins have the lead in that division, but shortly behind is the Guardians, and I think those are the two teams that we're really going to see the battle for uh, to take this division. So, a little bit more of a different kind of situation there in the American League Central. Moving on to the AL West, where the Rangers are leading it, and the Rangers, another one of those sneaky teams that I think could be kind of in the mix there, along with the Marlins playing uh, 600 baseball, 9-6 and six on the season so far um then we have the ranger i mean the mariners angels astros a's so mariners another team who has been looking pretty decent and then the astros were just off to a rough start seven and nine currently in fourth place so the al is looking a little bit different than we've seen in years past moving to the nl east your top two teams have been the top two teams the last couple of years the Braves and the Mets who are just battling through it again the Braves like I said with the best record in the National League 12 and 4 the Mets two games back 10 and 6 then we got the Marlins Phillies Nationals the Phillies not looking too hot 6 and 10 so far Um, definitely not looking how they were looking like last season Um, moving to the NL Central the Brewers who again underrated team are taking that central lead 11 and 5 currently then shortly behind them two games back 8 and 6 are the Chicago Cubs then the Pirates who are doing really well this season too a kind of unexpected there Cardinals are starting to crawl back as they move from 5th place to 4th place and then the Reds at last and then finally the NL West the Diamondbacks are just showing up in a different team this year um, beat those Dodgers in a good chunk of their games are currently nine and seven, take the lead in that division. Dodgers starting to find that momentum back. Currently eight and eight in second place. And then the Padres. Giants who started off fairly well and honestly it's just scoring on runners with runners in scoring position has been a main issue for them. Currently five and nine, fourth place, right above the last place Rockies. So I mean, the divisions are looking pretty good right now. Obviously, they're going to change a lot, but um, I think there's a lot of teams who are currently at the bottom who last year were at the top, and then a lot of teams like the Diamondbacks who were at the top who were at the bottom last year. So, a lot of good stuff that we're seeing. Let's end this episode off by mentioning our hit and miss teams. Our hit team has to be the Atlanta Braves, who are just doing phenomenal and just doing great on all aspects of the game, really. Um, I do expect them to just keep increasing, keep doing better. Like I said, they're just a really good team, and they've faced not really competitive teams, but in the future, they are going to. So, it's just winning those games against the Mets, winning those games against the Marlins, um, and then they have a rough schedule for the rest of the month honestly facing the Orioles Red Sox Blue Jays Rangers Mariners Dodgers Phillies it's really going to be hard for them I think right now they did win the games they were supposed to win like I said against the Royals against the Reds now it's just keeping that momentum so it's going to be interesting with that And then my missed team has to be the Los Angeles Dodgers just because they are not doing good. And I think the Dodgers are held to such a high standard that it takes a lot for people to admit that they're not doing well. Um, And that's what I'm seeing. So I think it's time for people to realize that the Dodgers, it's not like the Dodgers suck. They're not the Rockies. They're not the A's, no. But they're just not doing great so far. And there's other teams who are doing better than them. They're not playing really good baseball so they're gonna be my missed team just because I think they've won consistently against the Cubs in years past this year the story really hasn't been the same and losing a good chunk of those games to the Diamondbacks too was something I don't think anybody saw coming so they're gonna be my missed team hopefully they can get back on it um and honestly I don't doubt that they could just because they play um the Mets starting the series today like i said they go back with the cubs so maybe they could restart that series um and then they play the pirates and cardinals two teams three teams wow in the same division in a row but they should be able to win most of the most of those games so it's going to be interesting see where that goes but that kind of concludes this episode a lot to talk about a lot of different things um i will be back for another episode like i said on wednesday april 19th with the cubs episode And yeah, so that concludes this week's MLB episode, and yeah, that's really it. I hope you guys all have a great rest of your day, and you will hear from me on Wednesday, if not on Monday. Goodbye.